This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. has caused a tremor to rip through the Democrat Party and their stranglehold on the black vote. Welcome to the program. Donald J. Trump continues to apply the heat and plead for the black vote going into November, and it is having an effect. How do I know it's having an effect? Because the Democrats right now, the party, lefties, Liberals are running around like their hair is on fire, trying to put this fire out and get Donald Trump to stop focusing on the ugliness that is the American ghetto. Donald Trump has exposed, he's peeled the curtain back for all of America to see. You know what? America knows it anyway. But the left has done a great job of suppressing any media attempt to cover the ugliness of the American ghetto and what life is like for black people who are living at the bottom. They've had to take out ads. They've had to go back, rally the troops, try to keep everybody on the plantation. It's having an effect. Fissures are starting to appear. Cracks are starting to happen in the foundation. The poll out recently that said 16% of black people are undecided as to who they're going to vote for in November. 16%. That's who Donald Trump is talking to. The poll right now that I'm referring to said Mrs. Bill Clinton has about 79% of the vote. Donald Trump is at about five of that 16%. If he gets 25 to 50% of that 16%, he wins this thing going away. Because he'll win in the swing states like Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, states that have a significant black population. That she is not near 90 right now is why they are worried. She should be in the high 80s and then maybe has to just kick it up, you know, five percentage points to get to the low 90s. She's at 79%. This is brilliant, strategic 
maneuvering to do this, but he has to keep it up. I don't, and I'm not predicting any seismic shift in the voting habits of blacks in one election. But I'll tell you what, this election has been like none we have seen in a very long time. Strange things are happening. And if that strange phenomena happens, if Trump is around anywhere near 10% of the black vote, some are predicting higher, but I'm not ready to predict that seismic shift yet. But there are tremors. It's a matter of will that tremor go up to 6, 7, and 8 on the Richter scale. That's why the Democrats are worried. So Donald Trump focused on Chicago. Gruesome murder, a woman pushing her baby stroller down the street, shot in the head by two career criminals. She happened to be the cousin of NBA star Dwayne Wade, basketball player. Unfortunately, it took that to get any notoriety on it. It was carnage into Chicago. They are four homicides short. Four. Of the total number in 2015. By the time you hear me, they will probably will have they will probably have surpassed it. Think about that. So here's what I had to say on America's newsroom this 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 week, um, Fox News Channel. Listen to this. Joining us now to talk about it, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. Sheriff, thanks for being with us. Was this smacking of exploitation and overly political response to a tragic killing or or was donald trump really making a valid point that this is another senseless uh, killing an example of indiscriminate violence in the inner cities good for donald trump the only reason he's taking heat for this from the left and from the democrats and from mrs bill clinton it's because he's putting the focus in the spotlight where it should be these hell holes called the American ghetto here in the United States. We've heard nothing from Barack Obama with all this carnage taking place, not just in Chicago, but all across the American ghetto. We've heard nothing in Chicago from Rahm Emanuel, nothing from the governor, Rauner. We've heard nothing from Clinton on this carnage. 460 people have been murdered. Most of those black people by other black people, just like Ms. Aldrich, God rest her soul, and nobody wants to talk about it. It's the, you know, that uh, don't look behind the curtain over here stuff. Over 2,700 yeah. people have been shot in the great city of Chicago uh, this year in non-fatal uh, shootings. 455 people have been murdered in Chicago against, uh, here's another statistic. About 275 coalition forces in Afghanistan have been killed since the start of Barack Obama's second term. Think about that All for right. a minute. That is staggering. So Listen, the more I, that Donald Trump continues doubts. to focus on this, we'll finally get to where we need to be, and it's to get rid of these American ghettos and improve lives for black people. All right. Uh, Donald Trump uh, tweeted out yet again several tweets this morning. I'll just read his first one. Now that African-Americans are seeing what a bad job Hillary-type policy and management has done to the inner cities, they want Trump. A few days ago, of course, he said that uh, African-Americans will vote Trump. That's a direct quote. Why isn't that reflected in any of the polling data where he consistently stands at about 1% to 2% among black voters? 
Well, look, this is a recent um, uh, strategic move on the part of Donald Trump. I think it's brilliant, though, because the Democrats and Mrs. Bill Clinton never saw this coming. They've now had to spend money and resources on putting out ads to fight off this attempt by Donald Trump to uh, plead for the American, uh, the black American vote. So, you know, if they're reacting to it, that's where you want them to be. They know that they have a problem if people start to open their eyes, black people. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, everybody wants this instantaneous movement of the needle. I'm not predicting any seismic shift here, but now we're talking about what we need to be talking about in terms of the American ghetto, right. cities like Chicago, Baltimore, St. Louis, Los Angeles, Milwaukee. We have to do something about this. We have to make improve the quality of life for black people. I don't care how uneducated and impoverished they are. Okay, but we still how, have to do something about it. Oh, Donald Trump really is the only one that wants to that talk Donald about Donald Trump it. can do that. It was just last week, uh, essentially, that he said he could solve the gun violence in Chicago within a week. I mean, do you really believe that? Well, not a week. I mean, some of these things are figure of speech. But to me, what I interpret that as means very quickly, because that's what we have to do. Keep an eye on the amount of murders that have happened in some of these cities across America. It's on an uptick. So now here's how he can help. Appoint an attorney general who's going to look at the American police officer as an ally in the pursuit of justice and in the pursuit of criminal behavior, not to be seen as an adversary and almost a hostility toward the American police officer. That alone will make a difference because the police will become assertive again. Look, look at just, all you got to do is look at what Rudy, Rudy Giuliani did uh, in the city of New York. It didn't take him a decade to do that. Some smart police policies, yeah. some smart strategies, no, it did, but it took a years. full court I was press against the criminal element, and you it can make a years. difference. You know, and well, the problem arguably is that when break. Donald Trump says I can do it in a week, you know, people tune out because they they just realize that's nonsense. The Blaze Radio Network on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com/radio. Casper is made in America. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Breathable latex and memory foams are combined for just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Right now, get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Clark. That's casper.com promo code Clark. Terms and conditions apply. casper.com slash Clark. Welcome back. You know, I hesitate to use your precious time listening this weekend. Have a great Labor Day, by the way. You know, on this idiot Colin Kaepernick, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, that issue kind of went viral where he won't stand during the playing of the national anthem. You know, he gives, he reinforces the stereotype of the dumb jock. And I'm not suggesting that all athletes are dumb, but you know, you've heard that term. Oh, that guy's just a dumb jock. Meaning he can play football, but he's but he's as dumb as a box of rocks. That's Colin Kaepernick. So rather than waste a lot of time talking about him, I want to read to you something out of the Daily Signal by Jared Stepman. It's on Frederick Douglass. And the title is Unlike the NFL's 
Colin Kaepernick. Frederick Douglass loved the Star Spangled Banner. National Football League player Colin Kaepernick created a stir on Friday when he refused to stand for the national anthem at the start of a preseason game. The San Francisco 49ers quarterback cited the prevalence of racism and oppression in America as a primary reason he sat during the playing of the song. The Bay Area football star has been fading over the last few years, and he'll likely be doing a lot of sitting this season for the national anthem or otherwise. But Kaepernick's protest has initiated a national debate over patriotism and respect for the American flag. The Star-Spangled Banner was written by Francis Scott Key during the War of 1812. It was officially adopted as the national anthem in 1931 and has been a staple at sport events for more than a century. The song is filled with uh, martial and patriotic references, finishing with a stanza that makes an ode to America as the land of the free and the home of the brave. The majority of Ameri- to a majority of Americans, the Star-Spangled Banner is a moving tribute to what the country represents, freedom, duty, bravery, and commitment to the men and women serving in the armed forces. Clearly, Kaepernick, who makes, a, who makes millions of dollars playing a game he loves, has a different view of what the over two-century song represents. Quote this from Kaepernick, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, Kaepernick told the NFL media. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. Lambasting the Star-Spangled Banner isn't a new phenomenon. Liberal groups and commentators have tried to get the tune replaced for years, citing racism. Key was a slave owner, Francis Scott Key, and the inherent militarism of the song. An op-ed in The Intercept supported Kaepernick's actions by dredging up a few stanzas since removed from the modern rendition of the anthem that implicitly explicitly mentioned slavery. Columnist John Schwartz wrote that the song literally celebrates the murder of African-Americans. Hyperbolic reaction to one of America's oldest patriotic songs fly in the face of what perhaps a dwindling number of of Americans understand. Although the American Republic was founded with many imperfections and contradictions, such as the institution of slavery, the timeless principles laid at its foundation have led to more human prosperity for a wider variety of people than any civilization in human history. Frederick Douglass, an escaped slave who played a crucial role in the abolitionist movement in the mid-19th century, had been a frequent critic of American policy and the existence of the peculiar institution. However, he believed that the dearly held principles of the Declaration of Independence and its unequivocal statement that all men are created equal would eventually lead to slavery's dissolution. Douglas pulled no punches in criticizing slavery as a massive contradiction in American life, but he understood the evils of the system would be corrected by embracing the country's origins rather than rejecting them. He encouraged black Americans Black Americans to sign up and fight for the Union under the American flag during the Civil War. He played a crucial role in recruitment efforts and convinced many former slaves to serve in the military and embrace the United States as the vessel, not the thwarter, of freedom. Douglas was known to frequently play the Star Spangled Banner on his violin for his grandchildren. In the years after the war, he said in an 1871 speech at Arlington National Cemetery that Quote, if the Star Spangled Banner floats only over free American citizens in every quarter of the land, and our country has before it a long and glorious career of justice, 
liberty, and civilization, we are indebted to the unselfish devotion of the noble army. For the most part, fans and players in the NFL embrace a similar view of the United States. Rashid Jennings, a black athlete who played for the NFL's New York Giants, channeled Douglas in his support of the national anthem and the American flag. He, meaning Jennings, told the New York Daily News, quote, It's nice to know that we live in a country where sitting down during the anthem won't land you in jail or worse. End quote. Jennings said he was proud to stand for the song and continued to explain why he supports the values contained in its verses. I figure if it was the intention of our founding fathers to keep America a nation of slaves, then it wouldn't have chosen a song where all four verses end with the land of the free and the home of the brave instead of the land of the free and the home of the slave. Jennings' teammates made a point to stand at attention for the national anthem during a Saturday night game against the New York Jets. Gallup polls indicates there had been a rapid decline of American pride in their country in recent years. A dangerous slide for a multi-ethnic republic bound together by principles and institutions rather than national origin. Kaepernick's outright attack on what the American flag exemplifies is just the latest sad episode of Americans' abandonment of the hallmarks of their unity and love of country. That is why it is important for Americans who still believe in what the country was founded on stand and support the symbols of our way of life. Again, from the Daily Signal, a piece entitled, Unlike the NFL's Colin Kaepernick, Frederick Douglass Loved the Star-Spangled Banner by Jared Stepman. few comments. First of all, I love this country. I wear that on my sleeve. I, ins- I salute the flag every chance I get. And, you know, it just, it, it, just, it just disgusts me. And this isn't an issue of rights, by the way. This is not an issue of rights. This, he has the freedom to express himself. It is not a right. Your rights only pertain to what the government cannot do to infringe on your freedom of expression. The San Francisco 49ers and the NFL are not government. They can have clauses. They can have rules that say, You will stand during the national anthem. I'm really shocked that they don't. It's about decorum and comportment, for heaven's sakes. All the San Francisco 49ers had to do, Chip Kelly, shame on him. Let's go over to Kaepernick, because I understand now, this is the third game this season, this preseason, that he didn't do it. Don't tell me Chip Kelly didn't know, that somebody didn't tell him. And he should have gone over and grabbed Kaepernick by the jersey and say, look, son, this is a team. We do things together. We stand during the national anthem. You don't have to put your hand over your heart. You don't have to lip sync the words if you don't believe it. But you will stand out of respect, not only for your country, but for your teammates. And if you do that again, you're going to be fine. And if you do it again after that, you're going to be suspended indefinitely for conduct detrimental to the team. And the NFL should have the same rule. You will stand at attention during the national anthem, or you will be fined and or suspended. 
That's all that needs to happen here. Shame on Roger Goodell. He gave some milk toast statement. Well, we respect, you know, we don't have a rule. And Chip Kelly, well, we respect his right. This is not a rights issue. And that's all I'm going to have to say about that idiot Kaepernick. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. I want to spend some time on this push by the left for this anti-American sentiment. Now, I sat up here, if you've been listening to me for some time now, and I've been on a little over a year, you heard me during that flap over the Confederate flag. Remember Dylan Roof, who went into that church in Charleston, South Carolina, shot nine black people as he sat in prayer, and he was hooked to the KKK and just some idiot white kid. And the left seizing on that opportunity. Remember, they have this creed, never let a crisis go to waste. And they went after the Confederate flag. Remember, it flew over the state house in South Carolina. And that was more symbolic for them than anything else. But I saw it as a slippery slope. And you can go back and listen if you want. And I chided Governor Nikki Haley. Matter of fact, I blasted her for her attempt to appease the left. She had no idea what she was dealing with. I understand the left. I understand their modus operandi. They look for little victories. And then they wait. They lie and wait for that moment, that watershed moment that they feel they can crash through the door. They did it with gay marriage. They did it with transvestites, rights for transvestites. They wait. They never bite off too much, knowing that if they do, the public will push back. They'll have to start over again. They've been wanting that Confederate flag gotten rid of for a long time. And they saw this as that watershed moment. And the right, the GOP, Some conservatives caved. I made it clear at the time, this isn't about the Confederate flag. I don't really care if the Confederate flag comes off the State House of South Carolina. I don't live in South Carolina. But the right was doing that to cleanse themselves. They thought, we can flaunt our racial sensitivity here. The left saw something else. I tried to warn them. Said, don't do it. 
And I said, go back and listen. It won't be long before they come after old glory. I said that. And look at that incident with Colin Kaepernick. 49ers quarterback who sat sat out, sat down at the playing of the National Anthem. We'll talk about that in the next segment. And I thought, here it comes. And that's why I climbed all over conservatives, some GOP members, and Nikki Haley. As I said, you guys have no idea what this means to the left. It is one step closer to that watershed moment, their overall goal of destroying American exceptionalism and obliterating the founding of this nation and its history from the books, from the minds of young people, forever. That's what their intent was at getting rid of the Confederate flag. It was just one step closer to old glory. Now there's some high school in South Carolina that has banned the flying of the flag over their high school football stadium. So I sit here, you know, more than a year after the shooting in that church in South Carolina, and I just, I told you, I told you, would you please, if you don't understand the left, I'm already doing the reconnaissance. When I give it to you, take heed. So they bring the stars and bars, the uh, the Confederate flag down from the state out of South Carolina. And now they're after old glory. They see this watershed moment. And I've made it clear, I'm tired of people bashing America. You have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom to punch you back in the nose over it, metaphorically. I don't run from American exceptionalism. I embrace it. I embrace everything about this country, including its ugly past. Because if, if you forget history, you'd be condemned to repeat it. And it's repeating itself now in the form of totalitarianism by the intolerant left. So I came across this piece, The Purpose of Education, by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. He wrote this in 1947 when he was a student at Morehouse College. He said, As I engage in so-called bull sessions around and about the school, I often find that most college men have a misconception on the purpose of education. Most of the brethren think that education should equip them with the proper instruments of exploitation so they can forever trample over the masses. Still others think that education should furnish them with noble ends rather than means to an end. It seems to me that education has a twofold function to perform in the life of man and in society. The one is utility, the other is culture. Education must enable a man to become more efficient, to achieve with increasing facility the legitimate of goals of his life. Education must also train one for quick, resolute, and effective thinking. To think incisively and to think for oneself is very difficult. We are prone to let our mental life become invaded by legions of half-truths, prejudices, and propaganda. At this point, I often wonder whether or not education is fulfilling its purpose. A great majority of the so-called educated people 
Do not think logically and scientifically. Even the press, the classroom, the platform, and the pulpit in many instances do not give us objective and unbiased truths. To save man from the morass of propaganda, in my opinion, is one of the chief aims of education. Education must enable one to sift and weigh evidence, to discern the truth from the false, and the real from the unreal, and the facts from the fiction. The function of education, therefore, is to teach one to think intensively and to think critically, but education, which stops with efficiency, may prove the greatest menace to society. The most dangerous criminal may be the man gifted with reason but with no morals. The late Eugene Talmadge, in my opinion, possessed one of the better minds of Georgia, he was a former governor of Georgia, or even America. Moreover, he wore the Phi Beta Kappa Key. By all measuring rods, Mr. Talmadge could think critically and intensively, yet he contends that I am an inferior being. He was a racist. Talmadge. Are those the types of men we call educated? We must remember that intelligence is not enough. Intelligence plus character, that is the goal of true education. The complete education gives one not only power of concentration, but worthy objectives upon which to concentrate. The broad education will therefore transmit to one not only the accumulated knowledge of the race, but also the accumulated experience of social living. If we are not careful, our colleges will produce a group of close-minded, unscientific, illogical propagandists consumed with immoral acts. Be careful, brethren. Be careful, teachers. That is what colleges and universities have turned in today. Laboratories for liberal indoctrination. They don't teach people to think. They indoctrinate them and then send them out into the world to further indoctrinate others. This is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. This is very, very dangerous. And why we should have pushed back against the banning of the Confederate flag has nothing to do with that flag as a symbol. It has to do with old glory. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. And we're hearing about this alt-right movement. Not to be confused with the alt-rock movement, which I was a big fan of in the 90s. Although in retrospect, I think Pearl Jam was a little overrated, and I think that Stone Temple Pilots were a little underrated. So yeah, I'll say it. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. In the final segment, Secretary of State John Kerry visited Bangladesh recently and held a press conference and addressed the threat of terrorism. This comes from Fox News Insider. Here's what it says. Kerry offered a novel way to combat terrorism, suggesting that the media would do us all a service if they didn't cover it quite as much. Here's a quote from him. No country is immune from terrorism, Kerry said at a press availability in Bangladesh on Monday. It's easy to terrorize. Government and law enforcement have to be correct 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But if you decide one day you're going to be a terrorist and you're willing to kill yourself, you can go out and kill some people. 
you can make some noise. Perhaps the media would do us all a service if they didn't cover it quite as much. People wouldn't know what's going on, he said. Isn't this typical? This is the way that they're covering the American ghetto. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about the cesspool that these wastelands are for black people who, who the progressives have, progressives have herded onto for political purposes, for votes, under the threat of taking away their government largesse. If they dare walk off the plantation like I did, but they're doing it with the crime and violence. Just don't talk about it. And, and the reason why Kerry said this is because he knows he has an accomplice liberal mainstream media who will oblige him. Until Donald Trump spoke up recently about the carnage going on in major American cities, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Chicago, and other places, the media wouldn't cover it. Just don't talk about it. You heard me talk about Chicago earlier. There are four homicides short of surpassing the entire total of people murdered in Chicago in 2017. And we're just starting September. So they're going to blow by that number. Over 27 people, 2,700 people shot We don't hear anything, not from Rahm Emanuel, not from Barack Obama, not from anybody, not from Governor Rauner, who's a Republican, Governor of Illinois. He should be incensed by this. He should have been doing what Donald Trump is doing. Hey, look at my great American city here, the economic engine of the Midwest, at least of the state of Illinois. Look what's going on. This is intolerable, this violence. But of course, just don't talk about it. It's that don't peek behind the curtain, that pay no attention to that man behind the curtain moment. That's what this is. That Kerry would actually say this. As he's surrounded by layer upon layer of protection for his security, the hell with the rest of us. It's a typical elitist who spends his time on Martha's Vineyard as well. He has no idea what life is like for, the, for us at ground level. To make a statement like this is appalling. But he had no shame. And he didn't come back to try to walk this thing back or, or, or redo it. Take a mulligan, so to speak, if I can use a golf analogy. Hey, let me have a do-over here. That didn't come out quite right. No, it came out quite right, and he's satisfied with it. Just don't cover it. It's like the economy. The economy's sputtering along. Well, just don't talk about it. Obamacare's a disaster. Rising premiums, they're going to shock people this coming fall. Just don't talk about it. The rollout, which was a catastrophe, just don't talk about it. They tell the liberal mainstream media. And the liberal mainstream media obliges. This is what we're up against. You know it. But I mean... I, the fact that he would say this publicly, I could see if he said this, muttered it to a couple of his aides, man, I wish the media wouldn't make such a big deal about this kind of stuff. Maybe people wouldn't notice. To stand up 
as the Secretary of State in a news conference and make this statement is arrogance beyond belief. Let me give you an example of something that's made a big deal out of that is not a big deal. Use of force, deaths by police. Look at how the liberal mainstream media makes a huge deal, national stories, national covers, coverage out of what is really a local issue. Law enforcement officer uses force in the state of Wisconsin. It's a Wisconsin issue. If it happens in Milwaukee, it's Milwaukee. I expect the media in Milwaukee to make a big deal of that and write stories and dig and investigate and report. I don't expect the Washington Post and the New York Times to talk about it. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I said it's not a national story. Terrorism is a national story. It is an issue of national security. Police use of force is not an issue of national security. It's not even an issue of domestic security. Terrorism is. So I came across this study, another one. Imagine that. Keep finding these. It's a research brief by Dolan Consulting Group. And it's uh, dispelling myths surrounding the police use of force. They put on a graph. And they point out several um, categories of of human death. Medical errors. 251,454. Suicides. 41,149. Accidental poisonings. 38,851. Traffic accidents. 33,000. 804. Falls, 30,208. Criminal homicides, 16,121. This is the CDC mortality rate from 2014. Did you hear those tens of thousands of deaths, accidental poisonings, 38,000? Here in 2014 is the number for police shooting deaths, 990. Nine hundred ninety. I'm not saying that's not a big deal. Why is this a national story? Medical error deaths, two hundred fifty-one thousand four hundred eighty-four. I haven't seen any reporting on that. I don't know if you have. That needs some reporting. What the hell are these hospitals and doctors doing, or what aren't they doing? Traffic accidents, 33,804. I don't hear anybody calling for car control. Criminal homicides, 16,121. No national coverage on that. Black on black crime, no national coverage on that. All the people shot in the city of Chicago and in Milwaukee and St. Louis In Baltimore and New York? No, nothing to see here. Police shooting deaths, 990. I could use John Kerry's argument. Why is the media making a national deal out of this aberration called a death by police use of force? It's an aberration. 
And of all the contacts and stops that a law enforcement officer makes, this is an aberration. But all the left, all one guy, one unarmed black man who's engaged in felony conduct, by the way, is shot by police. And the New York Times is talking about it. And the Washington Post. And CNN and MSNBC. Maybe John Kerry should tell the mainstream media, stop reporting nationally on police use of force and police use of force deaths. Because it's an aberration. It's all the time we have for today. Follow me during the week on Twitter, at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. God bless you. David Clark, The People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.